Hi guys, Dylan Hartley here. Welcome back to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. This series, I've been chatting to England's men and women about all things rugby and plenty more as well. After what we can all agree has been a pretty difficult year, England are heading into Christmas with lots to celebrate. The men welcomed some fans back to Twickenham and put on quite the final against France in the Autumn Nations Cup. It was a nail-biter with both sides pushing each other all the way, but in the end, England found the edge to get the job done, adding a second piece of silverware to their haul for 2020. Here's what Alice Genge and Elliot Daly had to say while they were serenaded by the lawnmowers after the match. It's mad because the tournament, the sort of format of it was a bit weird, wasn't it? It was like... You play three games and straight into a final, no semis and stuff. So every single game each week was like your biggest game. Um, and France obviously had that weird rule where they couldn't play their boys who played the week before. So it's been a bit of a weird week for us, but I think we prepped as well as we could. And we just showed our characters, there, I think. Like, boys were class, weren't they? And the finishers that came on are just unreal and buzzing. I think they just brought the intensity the first half that we probably didn't live with, but we, we did really well to stay in it. I think probably a year, two years ago, we probably... Uh, would have folded up in that game and, and lost that game. But to, to come out winners and, and win the Autumn Nations Cup and the Six Nations within five weeks, six weeks is, is brilliant. It's getting the boys used to winning, we're getting that winning feeling in camp. And speaking of winners, this week I'm joined by two of the women who helped make it back-to-back Grand Slams for England and this year's Six Nations. I sat down with England lock Abby Ward and fly half Katie Daly-McLean. Katie can actually say what the, what the hell she wants anyway because she, she's got over 100 caps and she's 35 years old. So she's an Whoa, old bird. She can just speak her mind. 34. 34? 34. Close. Close. I might as well throw my notes out then. And Abby, you're actually quite an old head. I mean, I know you're only 27 and you've got 40-odd caps, but that's that's still enough to be called an <laughs> you old head. You see your face looks old. <laughs> I do have an old head. Old these lot are weathering me. I'm spending too much time with these on there. They're bringing my, uh, my mental age up, unfortunately. Oh, Been around the block. Making you greater. But like you said, I'm only 27. I'm still young. I'm youthful. <laughs> Weathered. Weathered is the that word. Is the and one. I think when you, when you spend a life in the row, the engine room, you're going to weather a lot quicker than others. Yeah, I just, this last hour, I've taken some more weathering, so. <laughs> um, yeah, is that, is that the reason you were late today? I mean, you, like I said, you guys are the talent. I've been sat here for 45 minutes waiting for you patiently. <laughs> Uh, apparently training ran over and then Katie had to have a, a cold shower. Because <laughs> I was so excited to see you. That's what it was all about. Come on now. We all function on Katie's time. That's true. It's a perk of being a 10. How was training? Yeah, training was, was good. It's a different way for us. We've started using a bit more kind of fast-paced tempo into our training rather than it being a bit more structured. It's a bit, I wouldn't say looser, but it's more... It's putting us under pressure That's so right. that when we're in a game scenario, actually, we don't feel like we're under as much pressure because we train at such high intensity. So it's, it can be tough at times, but I think we get a lot out of it. Yeah. We actually are still trying to grow all the different ways and styles and abilities that we've got to play, whether that's, you know, kick, pass, run in yes. all different areas of the pitch. So actually, sometimes the focus isn't necessarily on the team we're playing. It's very much on us and kind of, yeah, developing that. I think it's um I think it's quite a cool point because loads of people just use training. Uh, this sounds really obvious for the sake of of training, just to, to prepare for a game. But not many teams have been involved with a couple that actually use training to better to push themselves. And it's a really kind of uh, forward way of thinking. You think in a test week on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, to continue to push yourselves closer to a game. Uh, I think it, it it only kind of comes through in your performance at the weekend. So yeah, I was going to ask the the blueprint side of things. You're you're obviously a bit of a noise because you're a lock. 
You like to be organised. <laughs> you like to know what's going on. So um, coming from the tent. Hey, I'm all about free running rugby, man. Kick yeah, it. I just want to know like the quickest route and what's going to happen. So you know, I don't. Have to work this, hard. this is my question, right? So the game is full of those moments of control. But if you looked at the bulk of the game, everything that you plan for just gets ripped up and chucked out. And the game's just like turnover, turnover, you know, ball and play time is high. Are, are you kind of replicating training to, to mimic that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 100%. We, we play a lot with uh, multiple balls. So we'll have a start point. But then halfway through, you know, multi-phase, another ball will come in and we'll shift and we'll be on that ball. So you think that you're coming around the corner and suddenly the opposition have it or it's been kicked behind us and... As a forward, you know what it's like when you just stood there watching them kick it, thinking, I wish you'd run. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely think we're kind of replicating that in training. When it, whenever that happened, when you got that like uh, kick tennis as a, as a forward, and especially as a fat lad in the middle of the field, I'd have the coach in the back of my head saying, you better be moving, you better be running, look busy. But realistically, you end up just running in a circle, standing in the same bloody point wasting a whole lot of energy that you didn't need to do but you need to look busy you need to look busy I've got to admit which sometimes when reviewing footage it is one of my favourite things to watch back what happens to the forward if it's gone at least like two three kicks and they they are literally just running around a little circle yeah. <laughs> brilliant you're a psychopath you're a full-blown psychopath um right let me go back to my script what I'm supposed to actually start talking to you guys about so 2020 has been uh mad crazy for a number of reasons but you've both had big life moments. Katie, just before the pandemic, you became a mum. How how's that affected things? I think it just changes everything. Like, you'll know, the rugby sometimes can be, is your everything. And I think for me, she's given me just a massive outlet and just a bit of perspective about, like, it's great and I want to be the best, but also to come home and switch off and just enjoy, enjoy sp- spending time with her. And we love it because whenever we're on a Zoom call and, and, and Addy's there, we're like, oh, let's see Addy. Like, Katie, get out of the way. Yeah, that's actually the story of my life now. Yeah. Do you find it harder now you're kind of, uh, I suppose, full time with, with what you're doing and not kind of balancing teaching? Because you're a teacher, right? Yeah, yeah. Trade, so yeah. You, you're not balancing teaching, playing and family and friends, whereas now you're kind of like mum mm. and a rugby player. Is that harder? I think sometimes it can be harder. I think like... Like she has no concept of like time. So if she wants to get up at half past six and that's it, your day starts then. And like, obviously we're still in a position, our clubs are more evening. So our main club session will still be on a, an evening. So it might be like uh, seven till half eight, seven till nine. So as much as it's like, it's great for us because we get to go into the day and get all our bits, but our girls still work. So like for me, I just find sometimes that my day really is extended a little bit. I'm like, I just want to lie in, just want to be great. And then you're just getting plucked away in camps as well. Yeah, and I think it's hard being away. It's much harder leaving now. And uh, as, as she's got more away and a bit older, I, I, I do yeah. find it hard being away for long periods I, of time. I, I can relate to that. I, I remember actually towards the end of, of my playing career going away, whenever I kind of got this tracksuit out or packed this bag, uh, my, my little girl would be like, oh, you, you're going to the rugby hotel. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm off to the rugby hotel. And do you know what? Um, it was such an intense environment. One of the, one of the sort of light, at the end of the tunnel for me in a, in a test week was like, I obviously wanted to play the game and I wanted to do well and win and all that. But it was literally seeing my family after the game for that brief sort of half hour, hour encounter that you'd get. So that was like my one sort of driver was to get through the weeks just so I could see my family. I think it's tough as well, like with, with COVID and everything that we're, we're in a bubble. So even if we're away for like a week or two weeks at a time, you'd have down days that you might see yeah your friends, your family, your other halves and, and go and kind of decompress and 
relax a little bit whereas we can't do that um at the moment once we're in Adelable we're, we're in for for the whole period so I think that is that can be tough too do you think having like a focus away from rugby makes you better like a better round of person better player yeah, like I say, I think for me, the, the best bit is the perspective of it. Like I think I would have previously gone, if we'd had a, a rubbish session, gone home and like looked over it and want to really understand it. Whereas now you get through the door and it's like, I want to go play. I want to go and like see what she's been doing or like interact with her. And the, the rugby bit, I think it probably makes my much more, it makes me much more of a balanced person, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think it's balanced. Like I go through the door and then actually and instead Dave of me runs. reviewing it, Dave reviews it. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually gonna. I was actually gonna come to you now, Abby. So your news. I'll let you announce your news. Yeah. So I got married at the end of August. So I'm now Abby Ward. Wardy, Scotty, yeah. same thing though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, your, your husband is actually a rugby coach and uh, obviously uh, ex professional player. So do you get grilled at home? No. Um, we discuss things. Or we'll probably disagree a lot on things. I'll be like, "What about this call?" And he'll be like, "No, like the hooker, this." So we we always have the uh, caller hooker argument a lot in terms of who whose fault it is why something didn't come off. Obviously, I'm always saying it's the hooker. He's always saying it's the caller. Um, but no, it's like Katie said. It's just so nice to have that balance. Sorry, I've got to disagree with you. You're talking about balance, but like your other half's a rugby coach. So yeah, who's your balance? so he's a rugby coach. He's a rugby player, but he's also he's been there. And now he's like he's transitioning out of his playing to coaching, or you know he works um, in in schools as well. And so he, it's nice to come back and be like, this wasn't quite right, or this wasn't working. And he can be like, look, relax, you need to deal with it this way, or have you thought about this, or just actually forget about it. You've got an, another week next week. Go in and for now, like let's not talk rugby. And we do have days where it's like no rugby. Don't even want to think about it. Don't want to like talk about it. Watch it get out of rugby kit and uh, and yeah. Brilliant. How did that work with COVID? Because COVID was bloody miserable for a lot of people. So did you see a window and just um, and make for the, the church when, when you got a... Yeah, we well, it was originally um, planned for the end of June, which obviously we were in full lockdown at that point. So we moved it to the end of August. But with our calendar, everything was so crazy. We really didn't know when we'd get an opportunity it was in that little dip where they went from six people in a church to 30. So we had 30 in there, which was all our like friends, family, bridesmaids, groomsmen. And then I think a couple of days later, they went back down to six or to two people. So I think we're lucky that we were able to get it, to get it done, to, to have, have our wedding. And I think with so much uncertainty, I think we, um, yeah, we're really glad we did. Hi, this is George Ford and you're listening to the official England Rugby Podcast with Auto Inside Line. I'm going to bounce back to you, uh, Katie, at the ripe old age, the experienced mature age of 34, not 35. What, what's keeping you What's keeping you going? Because obviously <laughs> what's I keeping, was... What's keeping you here? You gonna... <laughs> no, it's, it's a valid question because you, you must have people chomping at the bit, pushing you. I, I finished when I was 33 and I was being pushed continuously and my body basically gave up in the end. Uh, I had a couple of kind of key motivations I wanted to make Japan, uh, all these sorts of things. What What's keeping you going? Because as you get older, right, I can imagine the game becomes easier, but also harder. I think there's, there's always been two things for me. Like I'm fiercely competitive. So I, I always want to be the best at what I do. And I've always played rugby because I loved it or because I love it. And they always, they were always my, all my always two markers. I, I've played long before we became professional. So my, my motivations in the game have always been pretty simple and, and they would be the two things. And I think as long as I've got something to offer and I could still feel like I'm, like you say, the, the, the cusp of when your body starts to 
starts to go I think for me I probably will I'm at that point where that's going to be the next thing that hits me you know you you always want to be as an athlete keep going and going and I'm probably like there now and the next bit's going to be here and also if I'm enjoying the game which I am as of yet Mids hasn't tapped me on the shoulder and said I think you need to jump before you push yeah like off you go so and, and like you say I, I really like that competitive element so the likes of Zoe Harrison Helena Rowland like they've been in great form that's what you want for the England shirt you you want it to be competitive and I think this is like real competition for me and it's interesting to see where it will go like all I can do for me and it's the beauty of age as well is that I can just keep being me and being the best I don't have what I had when I was younger that kind of constant edge about it I'm like well the time will come and it's probably going to come sooner rather than later now so actually I might just just enjoy these opportunities and hopefully like I say when the time has come they'll kind of give me an hey off you go don't don't bother coming next week if they don't I will (laughs) yeah yeah if not I appreciate your honesty, but like if Mids is watching, you've got to be saying like, I feel I'm here and I feel like I can still get here. and I'm going to keep pushing yeah. and keep pushing. <laughs> yeah, but I think that hopefully my training does that. He doesn't need like the, the chat from me. He can he can watch me outside and be like, he, he can see that. And I think for me, Dylan, I, if I'm not enjoying the game, it is, ve- it is very obvious. I'm not maybe particularly great at hiding what I feel. So I think as soon as that, when that happens, Scotty is laughing because she knows it's true. But uh, it will be very obvious. You, you, you're like... A, a trailblazer in a way. I spoke to, to Amy about this the other day and Beckett because like you've worked, you've played all over the show, you've balanced, you've juggled, you've you've been semi-pro, you've been to the Olympics, you've done all these things. You've been to the Palace, you've got an MBE. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. But do you feel like you're trailblazing and now that you've got an opportunity to be like full-time pro, you want to max that out as well? Oh yeah, I think there's definitely like we've got this opportunity now so I want to enjoy it. But I also wouldn't change any of the journeys I've been on. Like you say, like being semi-pro, uh, the opportunity to go and play like both codes, play 15s and 7s. Like the opportunities I've had in my career have been absolutely phenomenal. We used to play, we used to go to Dubai 7s in December and come back and play Six Nations in January, February. So I, I got to do the, I got to live the best of both worlds in the game. I think probably maybe Scotty and the girls definitely younger than her now will just come in as a, a full time professional and that will also have its pros. But for me, I, I wouldn't change the, like the good old days. Yeah, Abby, <laughs> you're going to get the boring professional side of it. Yeah, but I think it's like you, you list off all those accolades and it's mental to think that like 115, is it caps? Yeah, she's had seasons away playing sevens. And it's that experience which, like, the younger players and myself, to have that on the pitch is, you know, it's it's amazing. We get a lot from it. And Katie, she'll play it down and she'll be like, oh, I just really enjoy it. And, you know, but her standard, I think it's getting better. Everyone talks about you're up there, but you're still improving. And if she wasn't improving, then I think those conversations would be had, but they're not they're not needed to have because, because of what you're putting out. Brilliant. And... Abby, you've had a few injury injury setbacks. Tell us a little bit about your kind of motivation there. You listed off some of those accolades that, that Katie's got. Do you see her as an aspirational kind of figurehead? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to. I don't think I'll get anywhere near um, Ooh, in terms of, you know, some of the stuff that she's achieved, but you, you can only push for it. That's all you can do. Again, like my position, I think there's so much talent coming through and it's highly competitive, so... All I can do is try and get hold of the shirt and then keep it for the next game and the next game. Uh, it's frustrating, obviously, like with injuries, being out for periods of time, but the the team doesn't stop whilst you're out. Everything keeps moving and they keep gaining momentum. So you've just got to make sure when you come back in, you can kind of hit the ground running, get back on that, that train that England is on and kind of work your way back into the team. 
This happened to me a couple of times with disciplinaries and injury. You know, when you're out of that, that environment, that setup that you're in there, it really hurts. Like you think the team's like continuing and doing and having fun and winning and being just that England team and you're missing out. How, how hard has it been for you uh, when you haven't been involved? I think you know, what we were speaking about earlier in terms of having that balance, having you know your home life, I think that definitely helped in this last year. I think previously I've been out for, there's been twice where I've been out for like a nine month and a, and a year time. And I think that was, that was a lot harder because your focus has been solely rugby and then you've got nothing else to kind of distract you from that or to give you perspective. Whereas I think this time around, I mean, I was probably busy just trying to plan a wedding during COVID, which is, which definitely keeps you busy. But I think there is more perspective there. But then there's also, I think that increases your drive too. And I'm not sure about you, like with your injuries coming back and with your family behind you, you, you kind of want it even more. Yeah, I, I think that there's a difference because um, every injury that I got, like, and, and our listeners need to probably accept that rugby produces injuries like it's, it goes part and parcel it's what we accept as as professional sports people you're going to get injured but like my whole career whenever I got injured or I had some sort of setback I knew I could come back from it and culturally you just accept it don't you it is what it is and you look at it and you go six weeks eight weeks 12 weeks whatever it is I can be back on the field then and I'll make sure I'm back and I'm better and I'm stronger never faster for me but um I think the <laughs> hardest thing was is when I was 33 I started to realize that I couldn't get back better stronger certainly not faster and I actually for the first time and it's the only time ever in my career I thought I might not be able to get back from this and when that self-doubt kind of creeps in and Katie you said this before the fear of not being able to compete anymore that's where it really hit home like I went and watched the boys train today uh privileged enough to be kind of invited into camp and I had that innate kind of within me thing to to go and compete I'm like I could still do that but physically when you have an injury that doesn't allow you to perform or compete how you once knew you could that's really like mentally challenging so I think you know when it's time basically but um, I agree and I think like also during to like have an injury during a period where there's lockdown like you've got no physios you've got no teammates to do the running sessions with or like you return to contact like it is tough, but I think that's where I think everyone as a as a country, but as separate communities, whether that's a rugby community or whatever kind of scenario it's in, has come together. So actually, we've been in more contact during lockdown, yeah, like in terms of speaking up, checking in, catching up with everyone, making sure that everyone does feel part of it than I think previously we may have. I, I think that's probably the best thing about the the environments that we've all been involved with is that it's almost like the infrastructure, the facilities that. The, the people, the access that you have to physios, osteo, um, like the rehab facilities, the recovery. When you've got all that, it's easy to come back from that stuff. So I can imagine having an injury during lockdown was was murder. Like I knew a couple of boys that were kind of getting knee reconstructions and stuff like that and doing uh, Zoom call physio sessions. Yeah. So you had that though, didn't you? Like, Yeah, Dave was my physio. So they did a Zoom call about how he was going to do like my soft tissue and some mobs and I'd be like, right, come on physio and the, yeah, it was interesting. Some interesting uh, physio, but uh, it worked, so I can't complain. And you're back in great form. Yeah, well. <laughs> what, about, what about New Zealand coming up next summer? What, what's your guys' sort of um, thought process? 
are you are you very much going to give me the the here and now or is it kind of in the back of your mind no I definitely think the training that we've touched on that like you you talked about it being forward thinking but I think a lot of the kind of planning behind this is a long term so this Wednesday and this fast-paced training is a lot about the future and like next year's Six Nations and building to the World Cup so I think the, the boys have definitely taken on board that about like, actually, we need to start that now because actually we'll get our gains then. And I think that's probably is quite refreshing for I think from us, because I think exactly what you touched on the before is that when you get into test week or when you get into match week, almost like all your training goes out the window because it's all about prepping for that game. Uh, and I think we've probably previously as England fallen into that a little bit, a little bit of grooving. And I think for me, it's re- it is really refreshing in, in terms of the build up going yeah, forward. I think like. Obviously, it'll always be kind of in the the back of some people's minds or everyone's minds, really. But at the same time, because literally our weeks can change from day to day about what is going on because of COVID, because of games, whether they're being called on or called off, or we were due to have a to go over to New Zealand, which obviously changed. So I think also it's trying to get your head around like what's happening week to week at the minute. Oh, you guys are polished. You're so good. I know you both want to be there next year, but um, I think the reality is uh, it's how you perform day to day and, and week to week, isn't it? And I think genuinely for the first time, like Scotty said, there is a little bit of doubt of like, will the tournament go ahead? Like we thought like COVID would be a much shorter event. Do you know what I mean? It's had such impact on not just on sport, but obviously on people's lives as well. And I think like Scotty said, you, you do have that as an, as an athlete as about kind of what's best for you, what's best for your family, what's best for the population as a whole as well. It, sometimes it is a little bit bigger than just about rugby. And I think that is something that definitely, again, is an older player you are more aware of. You know, 2017, is that a motivational sort of factor for you guys going forward? Me, I think it definitely is. Like, I think about it a lot and can still kind of put myself back in those shoes quite quickly and um, think about it and I think about it a lot. So I think... For me personally, there is huge, huge motivation. And especially with losing out to New Zealand and the next the next tournament, obviously being over there in their back backyard is, I think it's a great challenge. Just appreciate every kind of opportunity you get because after 2011, I thought I'd be able to redeem that performance. I'd be able to approach another tournament, give it the due respect that it deserved and go and win one. I thought I'd, I'd have my moment. But it's funny how like the, the rugby gods work. So I, I don't need to tell you this, Katie, but you just got to appreciate every every game as they come because you, you truly don't know when, when your last game is no, going to be. Fair. I think you're absolutely right because like this time last year, I was playing fully fit and then didn't play again until, what, September yeah. and thought thought I'd be playing the next week, thought I'd be out for two weeks and I can definitely appreciate that, you know, a lot of things can happen within a year. Change very quickly. Yeah. You know, you know after you guys... Um, cause, Everything's good when you when you're winning, right? You know, after you, you lose, as as kind of I'm going to refer to you both as senior players or experienced players. How do you cope? How do you how do you react? How do you act? Well, me and Katie played for many years together. We did um, up at DMP down to Malden Park, and we I think suffered quite a few losses. That's fair to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? I think you've got two sides, like Scott said, Wardy. Sorry, I get it wrong every time. Uh, sorry, Dave. As a senior player, there's almost like an expectation that you react in a, a certain way. But I think ultimately, like, it it hurts. And sometimes, I, I think sometimes you, you want to... Not people want you to react in a, in a different way without sometimes all the emotion that comes with it. It depends on why, why you've lost. <laughs> you can go out onto a pitch, put everything out there, have, you know, play in all the right areas, 
execute everything that you wanted to execute. But if you've been outplayed, you just don't have the talent that an opposition might have. Then I think you can almost take that loss with your head held high. I think we've also been into games probably where we should have won and maybe through poor execution or decision-making or discipline, you've lost the game. And I think those are the ones which you really kind of kick yourself. The ones that you should have won and you didn't. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the older I got, the better I got at kind of just parking it. As in, you you can't change it. You know, once it's done, it's done. And I think it's good to be uh, upset, frustrated, but what I learned is that, especially as a, as a captain and as a senior player or an experienced player, people look to you yeah. and, on how you conduct yourself. And you basically, you're setting the tone along with the coach. You know, if the coach is kind of calm, the changing room will be calm. If the coach is wound up, everyone else will think, if the coach is wound up, I've got a bit, you know, I'm going to mimic those sort of, or if he's sad or if he's happy. So I, I kind of learned, like, even after a win or a loss was almost just be consistent you got to figure out why you lose, but I don't think there's any point in putting your head in your hands because you look over to a 19, 20-year-old that doesn't know how to act. They're going to put their head in their hands because you're doing it. So I think one of the hardest things was, especially as a captain after a loss, was to kind of put your jacket on, put your shoulders back, pick your head up, and just you know bring the same energy on a Sunday and a Monday that you would do if you'd won. I think that was like the biggest challenge that I had because I tell you what, you're talking about your club. Um, forgive me. Where's my notes? Bowden. <laughs> Darlington. Come on. Darlington. You're better than this. Darlington, Mowden Park. We played there back together back... What? 2015, 16, 17, 18? Oh, way before that. Do you think? Probably like 13, 14, 15. There we go. All right, stop reminiscing. My point is, right, you guys lost some games up there. I played at Northampton where I think we lost like 12 in a row. Imagine Ooh. like trying to be consistent with your your energy on a Monday. Yeah, hey guys, it's okay. Not, not after three losses, not after four, but after like 12, it was like, just be consistent. Just but I think that's, um, it's funny because at England, like a lot of people think, oh, England win every game. Like they don't know what it is like to lose. And actually we go back to club week in, week out and we have really tough games and we do... We do have defeats and we do have losses and we have hard-fought games. And I think it's sometimes it's important to acknowledge that. It's not just plain sailing, I promise yeah. you. It's, it's funny um, because I obviously sit in a, in a media seat now and I see people's reactions to, to wins and losses. And um, people forget that the game really hurts. Like you pour so much emotion, physical and mental application into that game. And I did actually find when I won, I wasn't as sore. But when we lost, I was really sore Took physically. Battery, like yeah. It just hurt so much more. And I'd sit there, I'm like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? But for when you win, it's 100% worth it. Right, we talked about the miserable stuff. What about winning, celebrating yeah, the I wins? Thought this, um, I thought this was meant to be like a cheering. good crack, a yeah. bit of fun. Oh, <laughs> it's been very serious. Right. Slamming, slamming you there. Well, you were supposed to bring the crack. I'm just a facilitator. So yeah. Okay, yeah. it's something to do with the talent. It's your end. Um Talk to me about winning then, celebrating success. How do, how do you do it? You've just done a back-to-back Grand Slam. How did you do it? Yeah, well, it was a bit different, wasn't it? Because we were in our hotel in Italy, um, confined to two rooms that we could share, distanced. So, yeah, there was there was a few a few drinks. We've got to celebrate. We've got to acknowledge like what's been achieved. Mm. Um, 
I think on previous wins it's been a bit more rowdy or we've gone out the following day or night whereas we couldn't quite do that. Previously we've had friends and family as well and I think just having like they are massively part of our journey and part of who we are and just to have that's almost like an opportunity for them to celebrate as well. So it's not just about like us, it's about everybody. And I think that was probably hard. Like the girls that had played in the tournament previously weren't there. We'd had changeover of staff. So there's like a lot of people that potentially played in that last Italy game. Some had not been involved, some had been, and you had every spectrum. So like myself, I'd not been in a single Six Nations game and obviously it was won the week she just before. came for the big one. Yeah, came for the Literally, big one. Literally, came for the medal. Um, and there's players well, big that Big games, haven't... big players. Yeah, I know, I know. That's what I tell them. Man of the match, big players. <laughs> But yeah, it's tough because you also feel for those girls that are at home that can't celebrate with you, that you'd normally yeah, want to be strange, like, come on, we're a squad effort. This is, you know, it's not just one team one day that wins it. It's over a period of time. Hi, I'm Courtney. Thanks for listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. This ain't even my idea, but it's in the brief. You get to ask me a question. So let's see how clever you are now. Oh, I've got one, but I don't know if it's a bit like morbid. Okay, um, I'll ask something a bit more lighthearted. What was your first cap song? Uh, and can we have a rendition? Well, it, it's, I sang uh, a crowd pleaser, uh, You Never Close Your Eyes. Oh, go on then. No, I'm not yes. a singer. And I'm not an entertainer. I'm a facilitator and a respected on, media... Host. Come on, Dylan. Keep clicking. Not respected. But I did... Come um, on, Dylan. We can cut this out. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Dylan. We're not going to stop. Just give us a couple of lines. You never... Go on. You still a freak. You guys are 45 minutes late and now you're uh, trying to make me sing? Yeah, yeah. Come on. Happens. No. There's I'll tell you another story, turn. though. Come on, Dylan. You've got this. The, same, Come the on. same day. Stop clicking. I'm going to no. mute you. You're trying um, hard not to... Jason Leonard brought me a pint of white wine, which I had to down... <laughs> Uh, I ended up tackling Martin Johnson into the side of the bus. I actually slept all the way home on the bus. And when I got back, do you have to wear... Uh, do you have to wear... Do ladies wear cufflinks? No. no. Surprisingly. No. Um, I got back to the uh, the hotel, um, blind drunk, got to my room, managed to get one cufflink off. Stop doing that. I'm trying to tell another really good story. <laughs> and I couldn't get the other cufflink off. So I stood on the shirt and I pulled it and I ripped the whole sleeve off my... My shirt, and because I was only 21 at the time, I was so embarrassed. I remain like the the further four games of the the autumn internationals. I had like uh, one sleeve shirt, and after every game, I used to try and get the shirt on before like any of the team management could see that I've ripped my shirt, and I'd have to keep my jacket on all night, which meant I was honking hot. Hi, I'm Jess Breach, and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Development in the women's game, especially for you, Katie, how have you seen change? Where, where have you seen change? And especially being a playmaker. It's gone to colour TV. <laughs> yeah, we were a kit that fits us. Um, oh, I mean, the change is huge, absolutely huge in the, in the women's game in terms of the overall quality of the game from the league up, like even before you get to international. But I just think that the skill level of the girls, you know, like once upon a time, your wingers were just quick girls. They'd come from athletics and could catch a ball and they were quick. And that's pretty much it without being rude. Yeah. But I think now you've got wingers that 
you look at Jess and Abby, both are athletic, they're quick, they've got hand and games, very good defenders. Uh, you've got forwards that are now like so much more than just a carrying player. They can ball play, they're athletic, they move around. I think just that the overall brand of the game, women's game, for me is so much better and it's so much more enjoyable. I think we're still at a, a point now where the pitch is a good size, so you still get edges, you still get gaps. It hasn't become just about like kicking. And I think probably the guys' game at the moment is basically just about big guys running really, really, are very physical, running into each other. I think the women's game has still probably got that little intricacy of small passes, tips, and players that can um, utilize the space around them. Okay, what about like the the media side of it? You know, Abby, I've seen you. You've done quite a bit of media stuff. You're a bit of a pin up. You got a few sponsors. And well, stuff like you that. know what right? it's like on this on the sideline. It's our agent deals. Like we got the same agent. They they you know Ryan he does a good job. Yeah, all those female appearances I can't do. Uh, they get handed over to you. I, I genuinely I, I want to know about like um like media coverage. You know, games, uh, TV, like even even this sort of stuff. I, I think for you guys. It's brilliant. Like I referred to you as a trailblazer before, or the trailblazers. You're in a position now where you've got 18, 19 year olds that are playing club rugby, and they could be tossing up like university uh, along with playing professional rugby as as a viable sort of career choice, you know. And like, I've got a daughter myself, and I told her I was talking to um, Sarah Hunter the other day, and I think just having visible sort of role models for me as as a dad for my daughter. Is brilliant. So the, the more sort of media coverage, the more we can get you guys out there and grow the game. I think it's brilliant. Um, so I've kind of just answered the bloody question. Yeah, you yourself. have. That was a great answer. Um, to be fair, though, I got capped in 2007. It was at OAs, and I think there was 100 people there, if that, and the majority of that 100 people were friends and family. It wasn't covered anywhere. Um, there was no, nothing, like, online or in papers or anything. And you think now, like, the last game at the Stoop, it was a, a record crowd... It was live on Sky. It's being as a highlights package. We're speaking to you, and that's in like ten years. I think the the change in the game is the interest as well is absolutely huge because, like you say, it's about being accessible. So people now have a choice yeah. to make. They can put women's rugby, and they might not be a fan. It might surprise them, or they might then be thinking actually. And I think in terms of the bigger picture as well, it's so important for investment. So our club games will be streamed now and actually to have that amount of people watch it will suddenly businesses, company want to invest. And that just helps us as players, whether that provides money for S&C or for nutrition or psychology or kit. And actually then we can create an even better brand of rugby. And again, it's just that circle. Do you feel like there's a pressure on you guys or responsibility to, to make it a success, to keep pushing? Yeah, I definitely do. I think it's it's huge for our game. I think we're in a point now where we can the Red Roses can really, really step up and to have its kind of a following and a, and a brand that, like you say, for your daughter can either aspire to be one or even just wants to be something like, oh, dad, can you take me and we can go do this? And I think for us, it's it's a huge responsibility because I, I never had that. I wanted to be like Johnny Wilkinson when I grew up and that was my only role model that I knew or Sally Gunnell, who was a 400 metre runner and I was never, ever going to be. I heard that I was never going to be that. So I think the opportunity for young girls is, it's huge, isn't it? I think rugby is cheaper than a pony. So, (laughs) well, um... I think we've also got a responsibility outside of the rugby world and actually just females in general and kind of aspiring athletes and other sports to show what we can achieve, what we can achieve as a brand, as, you know, rugby, as a show, getting spectators there, getting support there and hopefully um, push other sports to do the same or other countries to do the same. And I think just bring everything up with us. Do you think, you know, fast forward 10 years, 
what sort of athlete we're going to see? Do you think it's going to change? Do you think it's going to evolve? I think I'm not sure. On this I one. think it will. I think I think you'll, it'll follow kind of maybe the the men, the, the trend of the men. Like you guys have got bigger and bigger, haven't you? Now you look at the size. Well, I was a dying breed. I was like the old school pub player, and I, <laughs> even like, when you were training. training today, like I looked at all the guys, but. Oh, my old mate Jamie George, he's yeah. still flying the flag. Mako's still flying the flag for the the big boys, but they've still got skills and they're explosive athletes. But the player, even from when I finished, is still evolving. It, it's it's like this power athlete. It's like all the props have six packs. Where, where did that? Where how did that happen? But I think as probably people get S and Cs and nutritionists get more, the knowledge increases, doesn't it? Then they get another step up, and that. In- it changes the kind of the way the game's played and and I think in terms of rugby as well we were talking about um the rugby players the difference of them coming through I feel like we've got a lot more naturally gifted rugby players because they've been playing from such a young age and they know everything about the game it's just so kind of I don't know they just get it second nature to them part of what they've done isn't it instinctive yeah Yeah, it's it's instilled it's not sort of thing that they've picked up like at university or which would have been previous yeah I think I think like if you sit fast forward to 10 years, a success for, for me would be more girls playing from a younger age. So they have that. that and I think of, that's na- that's naturally what's going to happen because the accessibility in clubs is like that. You've got under 13s, you've got under 15s, you've got under 18s girls. So you've got a really nice, smooth transition, which then allows them to come into adult rugby and then the aspirations of playing Allianz 15s and then international and kind of a much easier pathway than probably that we had. Do you think you're at an advantage as a as an England player compared to the, the, the club players? Oh, yeah, yeah, huge. Well, for a start, we're full-time, so we don't have to worry about, you know, getting up, doing our gym at six in the morning to go and work nine till five and then come back. So we have so much more recovery time, downtime, but also time to do, like, all the analysis and all that nosy stuff that you're talking about and just get that extra level of, detail in terms of execution or what we're trying to do that the other players they don't get so they can never really take their game to that next level they can never really build in terms of game plan or I guess that detail and I think for like for me when we talk about the future that the hope is that the clubs start maybe start to go somewhat as a semi-professional so because I think that's then the next step for the league is that you get all clubs or the majority of clubs are having a semi-professional programme so these girls aren't having to juggle like what we did. And that's that's why like the media is so important. We get that coverage, we get those supporters and then people want to invest and then suddenly instead of a, a club, we're so lucky at Quinns that we've got, you know, eight England girls, we've got lots of internationals and the rest, you know, are working full-time. Actually, can we have the clubs that have a whole squad of full-time players? Uh, You've got to be careful what you wish for well, as well. Yeah. If it's... All of a sudden, people now that they are full time pro, people are going to be gunning for those contracts. People are going to be coming for you. You got to, you to raise your game. At this point, I'll be done. I think they are already. To be fair, like Scott with England, <laughs> yeah, our numbers do you, done. Do you sometimes sit there and like pinch yourselves and think like, how cool is it to say you're a full time athlete? Yeah, I think you definitely do. But that's also why you know you've got to work so hard because it's not like the men's that. Okay, if you if you don't get offered a renewal of a contract at one club, you can maybe go and see if you can get one elsewhere. It's almost like all or nothing. So you you've got to work so hard to try and get a contract or get an extension or compete with those people because if not, it'll be like okay, let's go back to the day job and then try and compete to regain a contract whilst working. 
And I think like you took, Mids was talking about today, just the quality of players that we now have. So I think previously you probably maybe had like 20, 25 players that were like probably contracts were, were guaranteed. And I think now that's not the case. There's 30, 35 players that you're like, actually, we could contract all of them. So the only thing you can control as an individual is like making sure you, you're in the best shape in the, and playing as well as possible. Hi, I'm Hannah Bottomer and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Right, girls, this is the feature. It's called The Greatest. I want you to tell me what your greatest is. So, Abby, we're going to start with you. Your greatest takeaway. Dominoes. Why? Oh, just love it. Just get me a Dominoes. A large one, half and half, pepperoni, like a bit of ham, barbecue sauce on one side, normal on the other. Happy days. Garlic dip? No. What? I'm just That's the only reason purist I get Domino's. Pizza. Pizza girl. <laughs> um, Katie Daly McLean, the greatest celeb you've ever met. Other than you? The qu- Surely the Queen. She Did wasn't you the queen? queen, it was uh, Princess. Princess Anne. She was great though, and I tell you what, totally impressive, because there was 100 people who got it on that day, and she knew something about everybody. She likes her rugby, right? Yeah, she did, she does. She yeah, really so you're it. in there. But was, was that the greatest? Yeah, I, think, I mean, you, you can't really top royalty, let's be honest. Well, I mean... Subjective. Subjective, no. Jude Law was pretty oh, great. All right, all right. <laughs> Jude Law. Where did you meet Jude Law? Here we well, go. Just obviously on a red carpet last year, the Marvel film premiere. You know, I only got to go because uh, Sarah Hunter's plus one. They really wanted her, and I was just like the tag along. It's a good one to tag oh, along to. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Um, Daniel Radcliffe was really nice. Harry Potter. I quite like Harry Potter as well, so that's a good one. Um, Abby, greatest way to relax? I'm going to say a little go on the Xbox. Not a hot bath. No, um, a little Xbox session with the girls. There's a few of us in camp and we'll just have a little... <laughs> what, what's play? Call of Duty. So we've got uh, me, Marley Packer, Poppy oh, Cleal, um, Hannah Bottomman and Sarah Byrne, where the gamers, known as the gamers, to themselves. Who's the best? Uh, I mean, <laughs> they do call me in if they can't complete a level, so... I mean, what, what sort of level are we talking here? Are you talking Luke Cow and Dickie Good? Like he, he, he got in the top three in the world at one point at Call of Duty. Yeah, definitely nowhere near that. So we, we don't want to organise like a head-to-head? I mean, I think it would be interesting. Maybe us, all of our gamers against him. Let's make this happen, right? Online streaming, appealing to a new audience. Done. Easy. Uh, last one, Christmas song, both of you. The Pogues, Ooh, Fairytale of New York. I love Christmas. I like driving home for Christmas, play it on repeat whilst I drive home which is like seven hours away. Um, Dave must be delighted. <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all great, aren't they? Love Christmas. Can't wait. Uh, when's it acceptable to start playing? Oh, 1st of December. I'll push it. I'll try and get in there like before December. Do you guys do, um, do, you do like Secret Santa and stuff like that at, at club stuff? Yeah, well, we're doing one within like a few of us at England. They've been forced into it. So it's the gamers and then we bring in the old heads like... You don't Katie, have many friends. So Emily Scarrett, Sarah Hunter, Mo Hunt. Um, so yeah, we we used to do like um, like pick it out a hat, Secret Santa, and then we'd have a team meeting where everyone would have to open in front of the room, uh, and it was all anonymous. Obviously, I can imagine uh, are your gifts really thoughtful. Oh, it depends. If Poppy if Poppy Gleal's getting you a gift, it's More not going to be thoughtful. It's yeah. going to be yeah. Can, can I have, a, have an example of what a Poppy Gleal gift is? Um, well, I've never received one, but what would she what give us? <laughs> I feel like, yeah, you won't, we won't be able to say on here. 
Right, ladies, thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. I wish you well for the rest of the season and I hope you have a lovely Christmas. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you It's great. Merry Christmas. <laughs> nah, get them off my screen. Let them go. I wasn't even prepared. That was just my natural. So that's it for this week. But if you enjoyed that episode, go back and check out the Red Roses special that we did back in March with Sarah McKenna, Mo Hunt and Shauna Brown. Plus, there's loads of other episodes with England's men too. Just search the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. And sadly, that's it for this series. I hope you've enjoyed the chit-chat throughout the autumn. I certainly have. Getting to know the personalities behind the rows. I'll see you in the spring for a bit more.